Hello and welcome to the Voiro podcast where we talk about our favorite topics connected to the internet, monetization and technology at large. With me is my colleague Rohan Rangaswamy, Chief Revenue Officer of Voiro. Good morning Rohan, how are you? Hey, morning. How are you doing? Very well. Very well. Last week we set out to talk about identity and go a little deeper into what it means and why it's important and who the players are. Yeah. And we could not resist opening the episode with everything that was going on in the news and this week suddenly seems awfully silent yeah i i think a bunch of people are still recovering from everything we heard last week um i wouldn't be surprised if the tech companies are right the only one of them that seems to have been in the news big time this week is twitter yeah. for any number of reasons for various and, reasons yeah. both good and bad um one of the things that caught our attention this week is three stories around revenue diversification and i thought we would spend today's episode running through them and i'd love to know what you think yep for sure so the first Where one to begin the first one was an article that was shared on our voiro slack channel about youtube youtube launched prime time channels this week um which basically allows movies and shows from other streaming services and about 30 different partners that have signed up everyone from paramount plus to smaller players to nba's league pass which is um coming soon i'm told but it's a way for movies and shows from other streaming services to be watched yep. on youtube um interesting move from youtube and it has is. very very interesting ramifications i was curious to know what you think yeah i i think for youtube it's clear what they're doing right they want to be the only place where people come to watch any kind of video right so i think for, as far as they're concerned it's it's, it's easy right um For me it's more interesting to look at the other side of this which is what's in it for each of the channels that are tied up with YouTube because on the one hand it gives them access to YouTube's distribution right which is obviously fantastic and probably orders of magnitude higher than anything they could achieve themselves right but on the other hand um you know I'm 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 curious to see how this plays out but and there are some of these details that are going to be really important in which how much control lies with the brands uh with the channels and how much control lies with youtube right because there's a bunch of risks in there right a, a lot of the biggest streaming platforms today whether you think about hbo uh or netflix right they've built their streaming platforms on the back of like two or three uh solid levers right they've got they've got a great base of content right uh which which is obviously required they've each built a platform that makes for a great viewing experience it uh, it's very easy for people to watch it it makes for a pleasant viewing experience across devices and so on but the last thing is and this is something i feel netflix has done particularly well right is they've built a great recommendation engine right um netflix has basically taken it upon themselves to try and make sure you never leave their app right you finish watching something they've recommended the next thing to you they autoplay the next episode they have a surprise me button in case you run out of everything that you've already you know queued up right and i don't know how this is going to work on youtube right because one thing's for sure anyone who subscribes to youtube prime time channels is going to have probably going to have subscribed to multiple such channels right and if youtube is going to recommend the next video for you to watch then it could just as easily come from a channel that's not the one you just left right um which for some of these channels could be worrying right why would you want someone to come watch episode 3 on your channel and then switch to you know episode 1 of something else uh, a minute later just because youtube decides it so it's a question for me as to how much control do these uh, 
channels get over, where people go next. Also, how much control does YouTube give them over their own data? Right? This is an age-old, yeah. age-old problem. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's I've I've been intrigued by. I mean, I might have been living under a rock, but I actually haven't looked into how much they're going to charge users for this. Um, the gold standard for something like this was, of course, always set by Amazon Prime, who have inked agreements with other OTT platforms and other streaming services to enable sort of sub-channels or sub-apps within Prime. That's always been very convenient for me as a consumer, as I suspect this will be. But the question you brought up is, of course, something that I'm waiting to see how it pans out. It's a couple of other questions I've been thinking about. Um, right. Across today's conversation, as well as something we spoke about a few weeks ago, which is where is Netflix going to go show ads in their new ad-supported tier? One of the things that's constantly come up is, and we talked about this yesterday, while the tech might be something that they'll figure out, what might be harder to do is to redo uh, rights. And I wonder about the same thing here as well. Um, if HBO Max or Paramount Plus has created an original show which they are now syndicating to YouTube, that's one thing. But what happens to shows that are not originals? Yep. And th there's a fun kind of larger question in here, which I'm no expert on it, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. But it seems to me that there's content rights that need to evolve now. I agree. Right? Um, the content ecosystem and the ways in which media is used today are not reflective of the, you know, the rights that were sold, I don't know, five years ago or 10 years ago or whatever it was, right? So as with Netflix, right, I I'm, I believe they have a bunch of, con they have they have the rights to a bunch of content, but they don't have the rights to show ads against that content. Yeah. Right. And that's because when they bought those rights, Netflix was not an ad company at all. They never foresaw themselves becoming an ad company. So they, I guess they didn't negotiate any kind of ad related rights. Now, as you know, these things evolve, right? If you if you, we go back to uh, to Google for or to YouTube for a minute, um, one benefit for a channel to be part of the YouTube primetime channels is it gives them access to YouTube's large global reach, right? And it may be a very easy way for a small US channel or relatively small US channel um, to expand into say Asia, right? But I don't know if their rights allow them to do that, right? And um, it's going to be interesting to see how, how these things play out. Yeah, it, it ends up being an interesting power equation, right? Because if you're small and you don't have enough tech and distribution on your own, this is a great way for you to just put your content out in the universe, um, especially on a global platform. If you're large, it's still a way for you to tap into Google's reach, but you might hold more power in this revenue share deal between you and YouTube. But that... That makes me wonder about something else, which is what stops these platforms from doing it already? I mean, Netflix already has many of their shows and episodes available on YouTube and not just snippets. Hasan Minaj's show uh, explained there's multiple shows that I can think of that are already on YouTube. On, they're just on Netflix's channel. Sure. Uh, on Netflix's YouTube channel. So I'm curious to know what it is that's going to be different except when I take a step back, I'm like, YouTube has been the king of revenue diversification as far as I can remember. They've had ad-supported model, they have a subscription model, they have transactions where you can pay for individual uh, shows and episodes and movies, they have a tip jar, they have all sorts of models going on. They have Patreon embedded yeah. within YouTube. They've got their new short videos now and the monetization. And the monetization. So this might be a step in an interesting direction. Oh, for sure. And there was a... 
I think a few months ago, Debbie Weinstein, uh, who's vice president at YouTube, was on uh, Ad Exchanger's podcast. Yeah. And she said, look, consumers are showing us the way with their attention and it's up to us to figure out how to make the most of that. But what she was really saying is that YouTube's numbers are still very strong. Yep, uh, for sure. And, you know, all, all of this with YouTube ties back to something that we've kind of talked about a little bit in the past, which is streaming services starting out to give customers a choice, right? And over time, it feels like the choice has kind of gone too far in the other direction, right? Um, I know Netflix for sure made some loose comments maybe a few quarters ago about people spending a lot of time on their home screen and not being able to select a video. And I guess what YouTube wants to do is solve that problem a little bit. Yeah. Uh, with this. Yeah. Debbie's comment makes perfect sense. Saying, look, this is this is a foundation on top of which we can build multiple models. I was listening to a podcast a week ago. Uh, um, where they had David Zaslav mm -hmm. uh, from Warner Brothers Discovery yeah, yeah. and he mentioned something similar where he said WBD has a very strong foundation from an intellectual property standpoint and so he said therefore don't write us off yeah. we're sitting on some debt we're going to shed it but we are here and we are strapped in for the long run because he said 35% of currently available intellectual property is within his ecosystem no and you know if that, that's, that's, a, that's a fair point Right, but it goes back again to the point of rights. Yes. Um, what is it that you can do with the content that you own? What is it that you can't do with the content that you own? The segue for a minute to talk about a, a company that you and I were chatting with earlier this week, right? That uh, that does uh, sort of uh, brand insertion into product placement. Product placement, yeah, brand insertion into into videos, right? And it it leaves me wondering, you know, when the the owners of that content, right? Did they sell the rights to place a product into a video? I don't know. Right? These are things that probably haven't even been considered until now. Yeah. And it's going to be fun to see how these play out over the next yeah. few quarters. Yeah. Um, in 2019, I watched um, a video on YouTube by Connie Chan, who's a general partner yeah, at yeah, Andreessen Horowitz, which just blew my mind. Because up until then, my mind was binary. It was like, Avod is what, Avod is what, And then she had this beautiful 25 or 30 minute video, which we'll put in the show notes, which talked about, it was called when advertising isn't enough. And she yep. talked about the concept of diverse revenue and how it can hedge companies against market forces, but it's also a smart way to exist. And she used Tencent and Chinese, the Chinese ecosystem as an example. I, to this day, I go back and watch that episode a few times because it's so, such a beautiful way to, to describe and this. It gets more and more relevant, I think. Uh, with every passing day. We've seen Netflix go on that route, right? Where after years, maybe decades of saying that they will never do ads, they're now an ad company as well. The uh, New York Times listed out their earnings last week and they reported disappointing ad growth, but encouraging subscription growth, right? Which is, again, you know, them finding their own balance, right? And yeah, this is, I don't think this is going to go away. All right, story number two. What's happening at Instagram? Instagram. So Instagram, along these same lines, is clearly looking into revenue diversification, right? Um, I think we talked about Meta last week and their overall results. The fact that A, their results were disappointing, but B, it seems like the whole market was a little shocked by the scale of their um, investment plans over the next few years, right? Their stock prices tanked. Um, you know, there's been articles doing the rounds about how people are losing faith in Mark Zuckerberg and his his vision for the metaverse and for his company as a whole. 
um but kind of pulling everything back down to earth for a little while right um, they they announced you know a couple of days ago the fact that they were going to let content creators create and sell their own nfts on instagram right uh which to me is yet another step in the revenue diversification direction and in fact i think over the last year um instagram and meta together have kind of taken a few steps in this uh, this direction this is maybe the third or fourth such tool they've given to their uh, creators right to let them uh, earn a little more money from uh, from their own uh, you know followership right and no doubt uh, instagram or meta is going to take a cut of this revenue right so it goes back to your point on revenue diversification yeah. right it also goes back i mean the this approach is something that a lot of companies have done very well and what meta has done is probably you know step back for a little while see which kind of creator monetization tools have worked out best and they seem to be replicating those right we you talked about tips and a tip jar earlier today they've done something along those lines both on facebook and on instagram um they've launched a i i think they've either launched or they're about to launch a way for creators to let their followers subscribe to some exclusive content and now there's this thing on nfts which youtube had done which youtube had a while done. ago yeah. Yeah. there are two things that stand out to me here as well because when i read this story i'm like well you know this whole year i've been reading about the downfall of crypto and there is yeah. apparently a 40000 word article about all things crypto that dropped last week which is supposed to be a must read i haven't read. seen that yet but i will and knowing me i will mark it as unread for like 3 months before i read it <laughs> but i am going to read it and yeah, we should put it in our show notes maybe we will. maybe someone who listens to us will tell <laughs> us about it yeah one of the things that i think is a quiet game changer of sorts is the fact that they are allowing and enabling nfts to be bought within the app as well um most people i know who bought nfts it hasn't been easy and they had to know how to do it um fred wilson from union square ventures talked about this i think about 3 or 4 months ago on his blog where he said have faith the application layer is coming yeah and that's something i can identify with because i tried buying an nft I don't know I want to say about 6 months ago. Yeah. And the the process was straightforward, right? I'll I'll give them that. Like uh, uh, wherever I was buying it from. But it involved so many steps, it involved the creation of a wallet. I mean, it was easy to see what I had to do. It was just many 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 steps in the way. And I got lazy and I didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same thing that Fred Wilson was talking about, which I think is something that might be a good standard that Instagram sets. Two is it's in line with Meta's ambitions yeah while investors may not be pleased with the quantum of money that they're spending and i was listening to the all in podcast the other day where chamath was talking about how over 10 years it's projected to be a quarter of a trillion dollars yeah and the only investment in the history of civilization that's even come close was the was the was the 15 or so years where we had the apollo missions there is no other civilization changing investment that's come close to a quarter of a trillion dollars uh, and he had a very interesting graph that compared various things including you know the birth of the iphone which mm-hmm. he calls uh, he refers to as one of these right right but this is a move that's in line with what they're trying to do and it looks like mark zuckerberg is just steamrolling ahead yeah he's steamrolling ahead he's steamrolling ahead on his own vision on his own I, vision. i think the problem is maybe he hasn't been able to explain that vision to the wider world yeah yeah the third story of revenue diversification is and i don't actually have any notes for this because i thought we'd just talk about it is twitter yeah Twitter is 
proposing to charge everyone eight dollars. The famous blue check mark. Blue check mark, which I noticed yesterday is actually a white check mark in a blue cloud. It's not even a blue check mark. But the blue tick is gonna charge, gonna cost eight dollars, and that has obviously caused a storm within the existing storm that's already there this week around all things Twitter. What do you think? Would you pay for it? Me personally, I, I'm I'm not sure I would. Um, much as I enjoy Twitter, I enjoy it more as a consumer of content, not so much a publisher of content. So it's probably less relevant to me. But I can understand why there are people who might want to pay for this, right? Um, one of my questions around this is whether they're going to loosen their standards for who is able to purchase a checkmark, right? If they if they keep their standards the same as they are today, but add a price. I think that's probably an okay way to do it, right? But if they open this up to anyone, right? Like, I could go out in there and say, there's actually no reason for me to be given a blue check mark. I'm not a big enough or relevant enough person in the world to have one, right? Um, but if it's offered to everyone, then I might want to purchase my own blue check mark just so no one else can claim they're me. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so that's something I'm. Once again, you know, that this, this answer isn't clear yet. Um, I, I hope they go down route one, right? Where they keep, they, they restrict access to the blue check marks, but yeah. charge for it. I think that would be a fair yeah. way to do it. So our colleague Lena always says that I don't disagree with you enough. Yeah. I would pay for it. <laughs> yeah. For, us, for a bunch of reasons. Um, and just before all of this went down, my wife, Varsha, the other day sat, like, just casually said, hey, how many blue ticks follow you? And I'm like, why, why is this a question? Sure. Why is this even a thing? But A, Elon has talked about parity in terms of pricing across countries, which means in India, this is going to be like 150 rupees. Sure. Okay. If it was $8 in India, I'd think about it. But if it's 150 rupees, it's something that I might consider. And I would do it at 150 rupees. Now, one of the things he said is that the existing construct of a blue tick, which is public figures, celebrities, verified profiles, that is going to be still exist and it might be a different tick. Mm -hmm. And so now you're saying there's Twitter Blue, which is the subscription product. There is the blue tick, the new blue tick, which might either be the same or something that overlaps with it, which is effectively, effectively going to open a new revenue stream, but also verify profiles. Yep. Which will open up other questions, such as what if someone else goes and claims my profile? And yeah, I, I don't yeah, know if, yeah. if they're ready to solve that yet, but I hope they are. And then there's also going to be another tick, maybe a purple tick, maybe royalty. I don't know what it is. Yeah, who knows? But there's going to be another tick for celebrities and verified big names and brands and things like that. I think um, it's clear he's looking to pay the bills. And that's exactly what he said. He's looking to pay the bills. He's looking to keep it alive. He's looking to pay off the interest on his debt, which I'm told is now a billion dollars a year. A billion a year or something, somewhere something in like the ballpark. But keeping in line with today's theme, which is to just keep diverse revenue streams so that the platform stays alive, I love Twitter and I want to keep it alive. Um, would I pay for it? Yeah, 150 rupees, I'd pay. I'd pay. I, I, I have long-standing belief, as do you, pay for good journalism. Twitter for me is good journalism without the trolls and without the haters <laughs> and without the... Yeah, I mean, so I, as much as I say I wouldn't pay for it, I'm known to... Uh, change my mind yeah. on subscription services so you uh, agree with me every so often uh but no i i i don't quite agree i i still don't see the the value of it as someone who consumes information on twitter right i totally see the value of it if you're someone that publishes a lot of information on twitter and you want the reach and you want to make sure that people see you as who you are and so on i i totally get the value in that yeah as someone who spends maybe 90 percent of their twitter life just 
consuming information. I'm not sure I see what's in it for me just yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way I look at it, um, it's not so much. I mean, I I would be happy with a blue tick against my name, even though it's a it, it has a diff it takes on a different meaning. But that's just me. But and it's clear that an ad-supported model does not work to keep the lights on at Twitter. Yeah, advertisers want something else. They they get everything they want from from you know Facebook and Google at least as of today. And so Twitter is not probably not going to give them that. It's a text. Uh, uh, app, it's not. Yeah, they are going to look at short videos, and I really hope they don't, because you know it is, it is, it is what it is because of the format and because of the way in which the platform runs. And so I'm not sure, given the amount I consume mm -hmm. on Twitter, I'm not sure if showing ads to me is worth their time. Well, I mean, you you say an ad-supported model doesn't work for them, but I think there's a couple of criticisms you can fairly throw at Twitter, right? One is for the longest time the ads product really didn't evolve. That's true. It was very static. In a world where their competitors like Meta and Snap and Google were adding new ad products literally every few months. Right. Uh, the second thing is, I think for many, many years now, Twitter's user base has just been flat. Yeah. Like right? 200 million, 250 million. It's been in that range. Yeah. Um, Meta is now at, I think the Meta ecosystem is at above 2 billion. Uh, Facebook itself and Instagram, are both a billion plus. Right. Google... I don't even know what the numbers are, right? But they are huge, certainly in the uh, multiples of billions. Right? So there's a part of growth that one could say probably should have been solved just by creating a better platform and making it easier and more welcoming for people to join, right? Um, 300 million, if 300 million and become 600 million, they have double the revenue. I genuinely think that Twitter's base is not going to grow beyond this unless they copy TikTok. Well, I mean... That's they, what consumers like. They got to give people a reason to join. So one of the things I have read about Twitter is that it's not that, yeah, their net base hasn't grown, but they have new people joining them all the time who then leave the platform. So to me, solving their revenue problem also means solving that problem. Yeah. Well, we'll wait and see. Yeah. Whenever it rolls around and whenever the pricing is available, let's see if I actually follow through with my claim and let's Looking see if you, forward do, to that. you do as well. Um, quick plug before we close the episode out. I am in London uh, from the 14th to the 20th of this month and I'm there to attend a couple of conferences, meet prospective customers and partners. And if any of our listeners are around and would like to grab a cup of coffee, I will make sure that happens. Right. Well, thank you, Gautam and Dina. And thank you, Rohan. Thank you, as and, always. And I hope to see everyone next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you on our next episode. And please make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our newsletter on Substack. Links to everything we discuss can be found in the episode description in our newsletter. See you next time.